Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This evening, we begin our celebration of our Lord's birth with worship and praise, singing and joyfulness, and that certain festive spirit that only comes once a year. As we celebrate, it is important that we keep in front of our minds just why we celebrate our Lord's birth. In our epistle lesson this evening, we have the opening of St. Paul's letter to the Romans, and in it we see much of the reason for our celebration when he speaks of the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Throughout the Holy Scriptures, even though they're made up of multiple books written by many people over a thousand years, there is an overarching theme. There is, as it were, a scarlet thread that runs through them all, tying them together as they find their purpose and end in Jesus Christ our Lord. All throughout the Old Testament, there are promises and prophecies that concern the person and work of Jesus Christ. The very first one we see all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. After Eve had been deceived by the serpent and Adam had sinned willfully in taking and eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, contrary to the command of God, the Lord came to them. After seeking their repentance and finding that they only wanted to blame one another instead, the Lord told them what would come as a result of their sin. But while he did this, he also spoke to them the first message of the gospel, the first promise of the Messiah. For he said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." Here the Lord promises a deliverer who will overcome the devil, that ancient serpent, along with death and sin which he introduced into the world. This deliverer will be the seed of a woman, which suggests the virgin birth. He will overcome Satan, and he will suffer in doing so, yet he will prevail. Here the salvation through our Lord's death and resurrection are first promised. Throughout Genesis, we also have this promise narrowed down. He will not be anyone, but he will come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when Jacob is blessing his sons near the end of his life, he prophetically says to Judah, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Generations before Israel had its own land or its own kingdom, Jacob speaks of the great king who will come from Judah. This king will be an eternal king, for the scepter will not depart from him. This king will be called Shiloh, to whom the fullness belongs, who is to be sent, who is peaceable and prosperous. He is the one in whom the fullness of God dwells bodily, to whom belongs all glory and honor and praise. To him shall be the obedience of the peoples, not only the people of Israel, but all people. For to him every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess at the end that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And of course, there's the famous prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, where the Lord gives the sign to Ahaz, Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. This too finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. For while Mary was yet a virgin, the angel Gabriel came to her and told her, You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. When she questioned how this could be, the angel responded, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that one also will be holy, and he shall be called the Son of God. So it was that he was born of a virgin, and he is rightly called Emmanuel, which means God with us. For he is indeed the eternal Son of God made man. And Micah, one of the twelve minor prophets, writes of his birth, saying, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one who is to be ruler in Israel whose going forths are from of old, from everlasting. From Bethlehem, a rather unimportant town, will come the one to be ruler in Israel. But note, it does not say that he will be born in Bethlehem, but it also, it does not only say, pardon, that he will be born in Bethlehem, but it says that he has an eternal nature, because it says his going forth is from of old, from everlasting. The Son of God is eternally begotten of the Father according to his divinity. His going forth is from everlasting. Yet when he became man, he was born in time in Bethlehem. Thus Jesus Christ is both born in time according to his humanity and is eternal according to his divinity. So too they prophesied of his death and resurrection to bring about our salvation. As Isaiah writes in chapter 53, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. By his knowledge, says the Lord, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. How clearly the Lord speaks through Isaiah of the death and resurrection of Jesus and what it accomplishes, that he who has fulfilled all of these other prophecies has also taken upon himself our sins to make atonement for them by his death. And though he died, he will live, because he will receive a portion with the great and divide the spoil with the strong. 
Yes, in him many will be justified because he has taken away their sins. All of this and much more God has promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now when Paul says declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, he's not saying that at this point Jesus becomes the Son of God. As we've seen already, he is eternally the Son. He has always been the Son, and in time he took on flesh that he might be born of the seed of David. In saying that he is declared to be the Son of God, Paul is saying that in the resurrection, Jesus is proved to be the Son. He is publicly declared to be the Son. In a similar way, Charles was king the moment his mother Elizabeth died. Yet he was proclaimed king, declared king, days after. For our Lord Jesus, in his earthly life and ministry, predicted his own death and resurrection. In St. Matthew's Gospel, we have this take place three times. First, he says, or first it says, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. And later, now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up. And again, now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, and he took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and on the third day he will rise. And St. Peter in Acts writes and shows us the meaning of this when he says, Jesus, God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, and he commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that through his name whoever believes in him shall receive the remission of sins. Throughout the Old Testament we hear that it is God the Lord who will judge the earth. God will judge the nations and the living and the dead. And so if Jesus is to be this judge, that he is divine. So the resurrection displays with power that he is the Son of God. And so it is, dear brothers and sisters, that we have before us why we celebrate so joyfully the birth of Jesus Christ. For through him and his work, he and what he has done, he has brought salvation for all who believe. For all who believe in him will receive the remission of sins. For he has taken on flesh, became a man, developed in the womb, was born, grew up, and lived so that he might die in order to save us, that he might die for our sins, so that we, being forgiven, may live forever with him. For the wages of sin is death, and if our sins are forgiven, then no more can we be held by death, but be raised from the dead to life everlasting by God, who has declared us righteous in his Son. This was the will of God who out of his love for his creation 
would not see it remain in bondage to sin and death, but rather freed it from it and raised it to life in his Son. So it was throughout the scriptures, God has made promises through the prophets to tell of this, and now we see the fulfillment in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the seed of the woman who bruises the serpent's head. He is Shiloh who reigns and holds the scepter to whom obedience is owed. He is Emmanuel, God with us, born of the Virgin. He is the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth is from everlasting, and yet he was born in Bethlehem. He is the servant of the Lord, who has borne the iniquity of us all. He is born of the seed of David according to the flesh, through his mother Mary, yet the Son of God. Great is the mystery of faith. May God keep us steadfast in this faith that being justified by faith for the sake of Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate this night, we may enter into life everlasting through his merits and mediation. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.